So I want to chat about hope this evening. And those stories really excite me. Partly because I know Pill really quite well. <laughs> That's down the road from me. I'm from a, t a town called Caffilly. And uh, Pill is really quite close. I did some um, work with a school there. And it's really, it's quite a dark place. It's really oppressive in some areas. But there's so much incredible um, joy there too. Um, and I love spending time with the kids in the school there. And just to hear the story of, of light breaking in is just oh, so exciting. And it's all about the hope that we carry. It's all about that. And I've been wondering about hope myself quite a lot recently. Um, the big why. Why do I get up in the morning? Why do I do what I do? And I don't know whether you've ever had those thoughts, had those questions, um, but it is a big question to ask. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to read through a bit of a passage in the Bible. Um, and as I go through, I'm going to explain a couple of little bits and pieces. And then I'm going to ask you to turn to the person next to you and share what jumps out at you in that passage. But first of all, the word hope. So who's a Strictly fan in the room? A show of hands. Uh, okay. I'm a celeb. I'm a celeb. Okay. F1. Okay, gosh. <laughs> right, okay, now I know who I'm speaking to. This is great. Um, I've had loads of conversations over the last couple of weeks about people hoping certain things. Oh, I hope that um, Rose wins, uh, not I'm a celeb, the other one, Strictly. Um, <laughs> or Lewis Hamilton wins the F1. Um, Ooh, I'm not an F1 fan. I'm sorry, guys. I've just turned you against me, haven't I? Um, and I've been speaking to some students and saying, what, what are you hoping for? And their response on the whole, mostly, other than what they want for Christmas, is, I hope I can get home at Christmas. And that's the way we use hope, isn't it? The word every day. We use it often as more of a fingers crossed, I hope there's milk in the fridge for my coffee. It's a communication of intention. It's saying, I want this to be true, but there's no assurance actually that it's going to be true. But biblical hope is different. The word hope that we've plastered over our Christmas flyers this year is all about something completely different. Because it's not only a desire, but it's an expectation. Biblical hope is an expectation. It's a reason. There's a reason why I believe what I believe. Where there's maybe no earthly chance of this happening, there is certainty. I can trust in God, knowing that he is faithful to his promises. And in this time of Advent, it's a time of preparation. It's a time of preparing for Jesus to come into our hearts and into the world. And so, as we turn to our Bibles, and I've given you a heads up, we are going to be sharing with the people around us if you're happy and comfortable doing that. If you turn to Luke chapter 1, we're just going to read through. So Luke chapter 1, it's a very long chapter, and we're going to be based around verses 5 to 25. 
And I'm going to pray. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you that you speak to us through your word. And thank you that as we open it now, you want to speak to us. So would our hearts be open to receive what it is that you are saying. Amen. Amen. So this is a story about Zechariah and Elizabeth. So in verse 5, we start. When Herod was king of Judea, there was a Jewish priest named Zechariah. So this is Herod that we all know from the biblical story, um, if you've grown up with that. Um, it was a time of darkness. And he was a member of the priestly order of Abijah. And his wife Elizabeth was also from the priestly line of Aaron. Zechariah and Elizabeth were righteous in God's eyes, careful to obey all of the Lord's commandments and regulations. So what does that mean? We're just going to put a pause there. Righteous is a word that we sing in hymns quite often and songs. But righteous is a really key word here. Righteousness um, leads to like blamelessness. But it's not saying that they are perfect. It's saying that they know that they need God. And they live like they know that they need God. They need his forgiveness. They need his provision. They need to know who he is. And so that is, is, is what Luke is saying here. And then he goes on to say, they had no children because Elizabeth was unable to conceive and they were both very old. Now again, just want to quickly say here, culturally, not biblically, culturally in that time, if you didn't have kids, then it was seen as a judgment by God. That, is cult that was cultural back then, and it meant that Elizabeth and Zechariah would have been carrying around a lot of shame. And it was often blamed, well, it was blamed more on the woman here. But as we can see, they were righteous in God's sight. And we'll carry on. Verse 8. One day, Zechariah was serving God in the temple, for his order was on duty that week. As was, the temple of, as was the custom of the priests, he was chosen by lot to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and burn incense. While incense was being burned, a, a great crowd stood outside praying. So this was a once-in-a-lifetime um, time for a priest. You only went into the sanctuary once, and what would happen is you'd go in and you'd burn incense, and it would be a picture of prayer. So when we pray... It, um, it goes up into, God, God hears us. And this picture of the incense rising is like the prayers rising. So the people outside were praying. He was praying. And out of that time, we see verse 11, the angel, an angel of the Lord appeared to him. Angel of the Lord being a messenger of the Lord. Standing to the right of the incense altar. So quite close to him. Zechariah was shaken and overwhelmed with fear when he saw him. But the angel said, don't be afraid, Zechariah. God has heard your prayer. Your wife, Elizabeth, will give you a son and you are to name him John. You will have great joy and gladness and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be, a, he will be great in the eyes of the Lord. He must never touch wine or other alcoholic drinks. 
He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth, as we heard earlier from the reading. And he will turn many Israelites to the Lord their God. He will be a man with a spirit and power of Elijah. He will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. He will turn the hearts of the Father to their children. And he will cause those who are rebellious to accept the wisdom of the godly. So here, um, talking about Elijah and um, about the hearts of the fathers to their children, that is all a prophecy that was given 450 years before this point. And there had been silence for 450 years. There had been no word from God publicly. And so right at this moment, he's in the sanctuary and he hears the word of the Lord. And Zechariah says... How can I be sure this will happen? I'm an old man now, and my wife is well along in years. Then the angel said, I am Gabriel. I stand in the very presence of God. It was he who sent me to bring you this good news. But now, since you didn't believe me and didn't believe what I said, you will be silent and unable to speak until the child is born. For my words will certainly be fulfilled at the proper time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah to come out of the sanctuary, and they were wondering why he was taking so long. And when he finally came out, he couldn't speak to them. Then they realized from his gestures and his silence that he must have seen a vision in the sanctuary. And when his time in the temple was over, he returned home. Soon afterwards, his wife, Elizabeth, became pregnant and went into seclusion for five months. How kind the Lord is, she exclaimed. He has taken away my disgrace of having no children. So, turn to the person next to you and share what it is that stands out to you in this passage. You've got two minutes. Okay, let's bring it back. You chatty lot, (laughs) let's bring it back. So I can imagine lots of things might have stood out to you. Um, What has stood out to me as I've been prepping is 
the fact that they were waiting for so long. Who else really hates waiting? Okay, there's a few of you. I really, really hate waiting. And we see here that waiting can feed into our disappointment and fear, and that can overtake our hope. And it can change our perception of things. Zechariah and Elizabeth were righteous in God's eyes. We saw right at the very beginning, didn't we? If you look at verse 6, Zechariah and Elizabeth were righteous in God's eyes. This means they were known and they were loved and they were seen by God. (coughs) That was their identity. Their identity was not in the circumstances that they were in. Their identity was in the fact that they were righteous. But the waiting, when we see verse 18... It's undermined his hope, his faith, and his belief. And there are times where we can feel like we've lost hope. But when we delve into what our hope is, and I'm going to do that today, it brings us a different perspective. And it brings a different perspective into the today, into the now. And it can help us see differently like a different lens. So what is hope? What am I talking about? I'm going to give a little illustration. Okay, so there are two people. Um, They are two people from the same background. They've had the same um, skills, the same experiences. Um, They're the same age, and they're given the same job. Um, They both ask to do data input, and one is taken aside and told, you're going to get £20,000 at the end of this year if you do the data input. The other one is taken aside and is told, you're going to get £20 million at the end of the year. A bit different. But they're separated, so they don't know that. And they get together for lunch a few weeks after starting their jobs. And the one turns to the other and says, I am so bored. I can't do this anymore. It's just so tedious. And I, do, I just don't, I just don't, it's not worth it. To work for something that I'm not going to get until the end, I'm just, I can't, I haven't got, I haven't got in me, I'm going to quit. The other says, what are you talking about? It's easy. Just shove on some music and just enjoy the fact that you've got this time and just, and, and just get on with it. You see, hope, the hope that the, the second person experienced, it brings difference. It brings a different perspective into the everyday. And now more than ever, we need hope. We're in an age of anxiety We're in an age where it's totally different to what we've experienced before. And it's almost like if you weren't showing signs of anxiety and stress, you just don't care. It can feel like it's monotonous and it just rises and rises. It's like a water level. And our baseline of water for for now of our anxiety is higher than it was before. So everyone's on edge. I was scrolling through some comments on a video um, 
this week and I came across this one comment by somebody who said, I struggle with hope. Somehow feeling like it's whistling in the wind, it feels like it's another way to feel disappointed when the hope turns to dust time and time again and it's easier not to have it. As I said earlier, biblical hope is not just a desire, but it's certainty. And our hope, what we live for, marks us out as different from the world. As followers of Jesus, as trusting in him, that marks us out as different because we are given the Holy Spirit. When you look at the passage, you see that John the Baptist was given the Holy Spirit when he was in the room. And that's an old, it's kind of an Old Testament idea at that point because Jesus hadn't come. But when he meets Jesus in the room, the two rooms together, and he, his, um, the Holy Spirit enters in, and we see that later on in this chapter, he's given the Holy Spirit as a purpose, but we are given the Holy Spirit as a guarantee It sets us apart. Now his presence, so Holy Spirit, God with us now. Jesus came to live among us, but the Holy Spirit is given to us now. This makes a difference. You see, we've stuffed things up. We've caused pain to ourselves and to others around us. But this hope that we have is the promise that God is going to set things right. When you read scripture, there's this beautiful storyline that finishes with the new heaven, the new earth. There's no pain, there's no tears anymore. Hope believes that God is not done yet. That's the reason why we can get up in the morning. It makes a difference to know that Jesus died for me. He wore all the sin that I have ever done. And he set me free by standing in the place that I deserved. He was separated from the Father so that I never have to be. Jesus is our hope. He's God with us. And that Holy Spirit is a precious gift. He's not abandoned us. We're not left to do this life on our own. He is with us. And whilst it doesn't change the situation, it changes my perspective. So when I see these verses of them waiting, it doesn't change the fact that I'm not married, doesn't change the fact that I've not got children. It won't change the situations that you are in. But the hope changes the perspective. It changes my heart to realize that God loves me. And that's the most important thing. You see, waiting doesn't need to undermine our belief. Struggling and suffering doesn't need to undermine it. When you look at Romans 5, verses 3 to 4, Paul writes to the Roman church, Suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. It's that change in perspective, seeing that the ending is coming. God is not done yet. And allowing that to make the difference to today. When you see the persecuted church, I know that 
you can see um, Open Doors do a phenomenal job of this, of communicating some of the stories of the deepest suffering. And yet they, the people who've gone through that, that I've met, are people who are filled with the most hope. And it's because they've persevered. There's an American author and civil rights leader called Howard Thurman, and he said this. We're going to pop it up on the screen. He was talking about sung faith that was really common. Christian hope taught a people how to ride high in life, to look squarely in the face of those facts argued dramatically against all hope, and to use those facts as raw material out of which they fashioned a hope that their environment, with all its cruelty, could not crush. We need hope. We need God's love. So how can we get this hope? If you're sat here and thinking, oh, I I need this hope. Or how can I grow my hope? I've got three Ps for us because alliteration helps. (laughs) The first is to pray. We've done a whole series on prayer. I really recommend listening back to them. Release the hopes that you've got in your heart to him. When you see um, Elizabeth and Zechariah, you see that they prayed. And we know that because the angel said, God's heard your prayers. Secondly, pursue God's heart. Get to know him. Read the Bible. Get to know the promises that he has given us. This is our greatest weapon. And acting on it and honoring God with our decisions and our actions helps us by believing and not seeing. And thirdly, be prepared. God is not going to do things in the way that we want him to. It'd be really easy to tell him how we think it should be done. Come up with a whole route out of a certain problem and say, Lord, this is my escape plan. Can you now do it? But as the angel said in verse 20, it'll come at the true, it will come true at the appointed time. Yes, we need to give our hopes and our prayers to God. But by expecting him to do it in a certain way, that robs us because it th- makes us think that we're in control and we're not. His ways are higher. His thoughts are deeper. He has a greater perspective that he is inviting us into, and that is... That is our living hope. So my question, where is your hope? There's a prayer. I just want to quickly pray. It's from Romans 15, verse 13. And that is, may the God of hope fill us all with joy and peace as we trust in him so that we may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So Lord, we pray that this would make a difference. We pray that this hope would be living within us by your Holy Spirit, that we would be able to to grow and build our courage, to be able to share that hope with the people on the phones, as they call us, to offer us phone deals, to be able to pray for those and invite them into relationship with you who are on the streets. 
to be able to pray for the people who are in the darkest of places and to be able to welcome them into the family of God. Lord, would you fill us? Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit.